Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to More Outdoors. More Outdoors is hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Chester is the recipient of the Mossy Oak Outdoors Legacy Award, Texas Soil and Conservation District Conservation of the Year, and was named a Hero of Conservation by Field and Stream Magazine. He is the founder of Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center. He has won more than 100 awards for writing, photography, and radio on topics of the outdoors, and believes live radio is the best way to celebrate a love of the great outdoors. Welcome to more outdoors. This is me, the wildlife journalist, Chester Moore, and man, do I have a great show for you tonight. I am calling in live from Music City. That's right. Nashville, Tennessee. Discovering the latest country artists who sing legends from the Grand Ole Opry. We are at the Gay Lord Opryland. Benson Center, and we are at the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention. And I have been to many fishing shows, to many hunting shows, and this blows all of them out of the water. It is an incredible day here, and be coming back home uh, here this weekend, but I'm here today on behalf of uh, all of you listeners on News Talk 560, on behalf of Texas Day Magazine, and all my endeavors for the wildlife journalists. And I'm very excited to be here because, you know, spring turkey season is coming up, and the heart and soul of this program is wildlife conservation, appreciating God's creation, and stewarding it. And I'm not sure if there are many groups out there that do a better job of stewarding that than the national wild turkey federation just to give you an idea before we go into what i've seen the show today some other thoughts i have on turkey conservation and some other issues uh, recently some wild turkeys were taken out of north carolina i believe it was on the east coast and they were taken from an airport and see airports typically have a lot of wild land around them that need lots space for the plane to safely land and safety barrier. And I'll never forget numerous times flying into Syracuse, New York. I would go hunting with my buddy Lou Marillo up there and fishing and seeing huge turkeys right alongside the plane's landing. And so but these turkeys are a threat sometimes. You know, they don't want the birds flying into a plane while it's flying off. So they capture these birds and through the money we pay for upland birds stamps in Texas, and the uh, work done by the National Wild Turkey Federation, wild eastern turkeys have been put recently back into the Piney Woods of East Texas. There has been a new stocking program that began a few years ago just to repopulate the Piney Woods of East Texas with wild turkeys. And it really is an amazing story. And I don't know if there is a greater, more interesting comeback at least in the game bird realm, than what you have with the wild turkey in America. Now, last week we had uh, 
Colin Hernandez, who had the desert program, uh, desert sheep program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife. These desert bighorns are an iconic animal that many people don't realize they actually exist in Texas. Well, they almost did not exist. They were pretty much extinct in the early 70s. And the estimates were that before 1900, there were around 1,500 bighorns. Well, now there are 1,500 bighorns brought back because of efforts of the Texas Parks and Wild Department, the Texas Bighorn Society, and the Wild Sheep Foundation. Other than that, I don't know if there's ever been another comeback like the wild turkey. People really don't know how many turkey there were. I've heard estimates that there were as low as 100,000 birds, probably more likely around 300,000 birds scattered throughout North America. Now there are around 6 million birds. There's even birds taking Rio Grande and put them out in Hawaii. You can go back on the podcast and listen to two weeks ago, we had Becky Humphreys, executive um, director of the National Wild Turkey Federation, in a very detailed turkey conservation show. Go back and listen to that. Go back and last week and listen to Foylan Hernandez, an entire program about the desert bighorn sheep in Texas. Really good stuff. And I set that up. I, I gave you that information because what I want you to know is this is not just about turkey hunting. It is about the comeback of an animal and how in the face of all the tragic wildlife uh, poaching and habitat loss and things, we've done some huge, wonderful things for wildlife in America as well. And the wild turkey certainly symbolized that. The National Wild Turkey Federation was founded the year I was born. 1973, and since then, there's only a few hundred thousand turkeys, and now there's six million, and um, it's a great, great thing returning to Texas, and I'll never forget being a little boy, and I've told this story a bunch of times about different animals, that I would sit in my dad's lap, some of my fondest childhood memories, I'd sit in my daddy's lap, and man, it's hard for me to talk about this, it makes me sad in some ways, dad's gone now, but I'm sitting in his lap, and I would make scrapbooks, we would go to the thrift store, or he would have an old magazine playing around, a field screen out their life, um, sometimes salt water sportsmen, um, uh, sports field, and I clip out the pictures of the animals I wanted to go hunt and fish and catch, or just see and photograph, and we had zoo books, I put pictures in there and stuff, and we uh, had wild turkeys and bighorns and mountain lions and mule deer and elk and moose and bear, and it was just really, a, it was an important thing for me, and um I remember seeing the wild turkeys down in field guides that told me that there's supposed to be wild turkeys in East Texas, there's supposed to be Eastern turkeys. But at that point, when I was, I'd say when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I had never even heard of anyone who had seen a wild turkey in East Texas. That's how rare they were. Um, I'm not going to say they were functionally extinct, but there was just not humble populations of them. So I'd go out when I was 12 years old to Lano. Actually, we will rewind a little bit. A year before, my dad and my uncle went to Lano to hunt the Winkle Ranch. It's still out there. There are a series of uh, properties that are day leases and um, go out to the Winkle Ranch. And, uh, you know, and he shot a turkey. And I was like, my God, there's wild turkeys. not to hunt. They got enough real grand to hunt. And I go out there, and there's turkeys. And I'm like, there's wild turkeys. They're real. How cool is that? So I've always kind of had a fascination with the wild turkey. And, of course, Texas has the main, the largest populations of wild turkeys in North America are in Texas. We have 500,000 Rio Grande turkeys. The Rio Grande goes from Mexico all the way up into Nebraska, up to Central Plains there. And, the uh, matter of fact, I was talking to people from the Nebraska uh, Fish and Game Department today that they actually have 
uh, Rio Grande, and then they have Easterns, and they have hybrids, and they got Marion's up in the northwest corner of the state. And Texas has this now, um, I guess I could say, returning population of Easterns. And then we have a few Marion's in the Panhandle, a few Marion's out in the Trans Pecos, and all anybody ever seen them in all these hunts. But the most birds hunted in Texas are by far the Rio Grande. And um, if you definitely owe something to what the National Wild Turkey Federation is doing, this entire event was really a celebration of that. And I just have to set that up because of the conservation is wisely using a resource. And to wisely use a resource, there's a lot to go into the wildlife resource. It's to make sure not too many of the particular animal were killed. It's to make sure the habitat is good. Make sure there's water, clean water, all these problems. And so with that, with wild turkeys, you've got so many factors that go against the turkey. You know, you've got feral hogs. Feral hogs destroy ground-nesting bird habitat. They destroy ground-nesting birds. The birds themselves, they, they eat the eggs, they mess the eggs up, they trample, they pollute water sources. So that's just one thing that you got. You got fire ants and certain that could hurt poults, which are little baby turkeys. You got numerous um, really unique threats to a, a bird, and to see this comeback in the management by, by taking birds from abundant areas and releasing in others and having this management strategy has been great. And it's a celebration of the North American model for conservation, which means that hunters and fishermen leading the way paying through license fees, excise taxes on sporting goods and things, paying for billions of dollars of wildlife conservation. It's not a perfect model, but it works better than anywhere else in the world. And um, this this particular convention, the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention, has been amazing. Um, you know, i got to give a shout-out to um, the Texas chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation, who are doing great things in our state, making sure we represent it greatly seeing thousands of acres of habitat restored and managed properly. Because, you see, if it's managed for turkey, it's not for turkey, it's for white-tailed deer, it's for gray fox, it's for red fox, it's for, it's for rabbits, it's for raccoons, it's for birds, it's for the Louisiana pine snake, the endangered species, it's for the red-cockaded woodpecker endangered species. Turkey habitat is good habitat for everything. We come back on more outdoors. We're going to talk about some of the amazing stuff I saw out on the show floor at the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention. Great. Now back to more outdoors with with the Lucky Land Slots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Esther Moore on News Talk 560 KLBI. You know, when you hear brought music like that, it's not your standard fishing outdoors radio program. It's me, Wildlife Journal with Chester Moore. And man, I am pumped tonight. This is the kind of program you're only going to hear on News Talk 560 KLBI calling live from the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention here at the Gaylord Opryland Resort Convention Center in Music City, baby, Nashville, Tennessee. But like I said before, the only music I'm wanting to hear tonight 
Is that the great country artists of the future or the ones of the past? I want to hear the gobbling of wild turkeys because that is um, the focus of the show is the wild turkey. And man, we're an incredible show so far. Uh, this is Facebook Live over at Texas Fish and Game. I'm doing a special write-up on some just rare turkey stuff I found out. You can, you'll be seeing that at the Wildlife Journalist. And um, of course, exclusively, the only one doing a live radio broadcast from here in this entire nation is me. So super excited to be here. And so this show has everything from, from shotguns to camouflage to turkey calls to decoys. Just a lot of really, really, really cool stuff. And I've been talking to a lot of people here in the field and uh, that are out in the field. You know, I've been talking to game wardens. I'm talking to U.S. Forest Service wardens, which are kind of a different branch. I've been talking to biologists. I've been talking to uh, call manufacturers and designers. I've been talking to uh, the people over at Flambeau that make some of those cutting-edge decoys. And, uh, and, and I've been talking to guides been talking to outfitters and it's really cool so the first thing that this morning here when i walked in is during the taxidermy display and there is a section with about 40 different whitetails mounted maybe 50 and there are i'm talking about full body whitetails there are whitetails mounted in snow there are whitetails mounted eating pieces of corn whitetails mounted with the with the, the antlers shedding with the blood on the antlers and the animal stuff and the turkey oh my there is the first one that got me there's a smoke phase which is a white gray phase osceola turkey if you know anything about wild turkey hunting there's what's called the grand slam the grand slam is four species of turkey that is your rio grand your merriam your osceola and your eastern the osceola is hardest to get at that bunch they're only in a certain, below a certain line in Florida because of the pure Osceola's. And um, they're a hard one to get. The premium prices you can see on the floor here. I've seen them for $2,750. Not $2,750, $2,750. And there was a smoke colored one. It was like, oh my God, the head on these turkeys looks so amazing. The turkeys flying and strutting and roosting and dead turkeys and none of like they're hanging off of a, of a, of a you know, somebody's strap out. It's a goodies. I mean, it's crazy cool stuff. And they're having a competition. I watched some guys judging the mounts. It's like a national, um, uh, literally a national taxidermy judging. It was really cool to see that, you know, because taxidermy is an art. And I really respect that art. And uh, it's a way to preserve and promote wildlife. And I was looking at the Tennessee, people of Tennessee Parks and Wildlife are over here. And they have a whole truck that's full of taxidermy of all kind of game. You can take out to events and let people see what different animals and things are. You know, people don't realize, you go back in history, I mean, John James Audubon is regarded as one of the forefathers of American, you know, wildlife awareness. And when he did these amazing paintings and his birds in North America, and my favorite is quadrupeds in North America, Audubon killed the animal and posed it. That's how he did it. That may kill your image of Audubon, but that's how it was done, folks. And was it, you know, 400 millimeter lenses and um, digital cameras you can shoot endless photos with. There was basically a gun and some paintbrushes and stuff. And um, so, a taxidermy is a great way, to, you know, to utilize the resource and, and bring out the best. And these people really respect the animals, the ones I'm seeing here, and doing incredible, incredible work. So, I might have a little. I'm going at 10:30 in the morning when they're going to do the uh, the presentation for the winners and stuff and be heading home after that 
but it's really been cool to see and talk to the various people on the floor. Um, you know, because one of the issues, if you've been listening to more outdoors much lately, I've been talking a lot about is poaching. And in the early parts, like 87, 88, 89, when uh, the first big influx of stock turkeys came in East Texas, there was some brutal poaching of the birds. It was running rampant. And there was a lot of talk of that. And our game wardens in Texas have done an amazing job of curtailing poaching. Now, they're still poaching. East Texas is probably still the worst place for poaching in the state, but the level of poaching in Texas is not near where it was thanks to the hard work of our Texas Parks and Wildlife game wardens. There's a lot of federal game wardens that are out there in limited number in different areas doing work, but they do they risk their lives and they do a great job. And you know, I believe because of the work they're doing, this latest batch of turkeys that are going to go out or have a whole lot better shot of making it because they have put a dent in all of this. But on the flip side of that is some things that are happening on the poaching realm that are at a different level. And the Asian demand for various, um, let's just call them folk remedies, um, sometimes even aphrodisiacs uh, for animal parts is driving poaching for certain things. Let's talk about something returning to East Texas, the black bear. Did you know there is a growing market for the poaching of black bear for the gallbladder? They're using the gallbladder for traditional medicine. Um, there's even for the bile of the animal, there is even a market for that. And, uh, and, and according to the Boone and Crockett Club, there have even been instances of bears kept alive, captured, kept alive, and drained of bile to keep producing the bile till they died to get enough of that to harvest for the black market. This is some of the kind of insidious, sick stuff going out there against wildlife. So the enforcement of our resources is, is such a crucial part of conservation because it's running rampant. Now, we've been talking about this. So we're blowing the whistle on this for a long time. Team poaching crisis. And it's not like necessarily widespread in terms of, you know, they're just killing turkeys and shoot turkeys or deer to shoot deer. We're talking about a dangerous species and highly protected stuff. Yeah, the market that's going right now is in like bear parts in America. Eagle parts are, are actually and uh, big cat parts that's happening a lot in Central and South America which have and will actually come to that as well because of some of the things that are going on out in the world right now. But I was talking to some U.S. Forest Service officials, and they said most of the time on their land, they are actually working with, you know, Fish and Wildlife Service people, state agencies to do to do um, the enforcement of those areas. But they're also, you know, there's there's illegal timber. They said there's actually a pretty good black market in some areas in the illegal timber harvest. And of course, illegal timber harvest isn't managed or anything like that. So taking out habitat. We never thought about poaching trees, poaching hardwoods that produce mast crop that white-tailed deer eat and wild turkeys eat and all this kind of stuff. And these are the kind of people that are here at this event sharing that information with the public. And I thought that was so cool. What's great, it really touched my heart. It's not about me. It's about wildlife first, right? And it's, and it's about Jesus first and wildlife, and family, then wildlife. But in terms of the hunting, fishing realm, it's always about the wildlife first. Whether I catch or kill an animal, does it matter as much as the encounter? 
and you know I would gladly pass on an animal if I thought that my taking the animal would have a negative effect on the population. And thank God our regulations in America work that way. Where you know you can go, you know what? Uh, I feel good about that because the law says it's okay. But when you look at the the broader sense of the conservation, I'm going to think about taking people poaching forests, but it happens on some of these larger national forest lands and stuff like that, and that that certainly has an impact. I mean, you look at what's happened. Think about East Texas and how few hardwoods are left because of, you know, various practices. So all those things, you know, woods are great, but not all woods are created equal. And I think everybody would agree with that. Good habitat is I'm learning certainly uh, different thing than just a bunch of woods. You've got to have certain things in the habitat so to make it click, to make it work. And so these people, these officials were, um, you know, really tuned in with this, and it was really good to see that. And also the, the Tennessee Parks people were here with a bald eagle, which was amazing to see. It was a huge, biggest eagle I've seen. I've been close to a couple of big eagles. And they had a red-tailed hawk and uh, I got pictures with the red tail hawk, and uh, it was really, really fun. And, and people just get to see these animals, and it was so beautiful. See an organization, National Wild Turkey Federation, who were openly talking about gopher tortoise habitat benefiting because of turkeys, and promoting, you know, taking these eagles and things that are injured and using them as ambassador animals, talking about the comeback of the bald eagle. It's about an experience in the woods. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's the thing that I really appreciate about the turkey hunters and stuff, so... And, you know, that that really touches my soul because any hunting or fishing trip I've ever been on is never just about the trip. I may have been going flounder fishing, but when I saw the osprey diving around and catching the that was a day, a highlight of the day. Or when I was catching women's and redfish on Lake Calcasieu nine years ago now and saw pink, the pinky, the dolphin, the first time over there, the pink albino dolphin. I mean, that was a life-changing incredible experience it's appreciating nature it's appreciating nature and when we come back on the we're going to talk more what I'm seeing here at the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention really some inspirational stuff that I found today and some cool products as well now back to more outdoors with Chester Moore on News Talk 560 KLVI this is me the wildlife journalist Chester Moore and you can check out my work at thewildlifejournalist.com or thewildlifejournalist.com every Friday here on 560 6 to 7pm if you missed the show look on the podcast link at the top of the page to listen back to all the programs we've been airing here. We've had some killer stuff already in 2019. We had Marty Strauss, legendary North American, the most highest-rated wildlife program in the history of America. Uh, we have we had Ted Newton, we've had Jeff Stewart, who's been on tons of shows, including, including Survivor Man. We've had um, the Dutch Hunters, the National Wild Turkey Federation Executive Director. We've had the Director of Desert Bighorn, 
program in Texas Parks and Wildlife. I mean, this is the kind of program we have here on More Outdoors. Years. I told her when I was two. Uh, just kidding. So when I was uh, 25. And excited to be here. More motivated than ever to do outdoor radio. And we're calling in live tonight from the National Wild Turkey Federation. Yep, that's it. The National Wild Turkey Federation Convention in Nashville. And, and I haven't even seen a quarter of the show yet, but it's been incredible. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really impressed. I'll be heading back tomorrow, but um, I'll get to see the rest of it in the morning. But I, I kind of got here late, and I had to do the radio show, and I had to do some meetings, stuff like that. But wow, just the diversity of, of people having, having um, you know, just their wares here, just the, the, the different decoys and the calls and the outfitters and stuff like that. And the outfitters have kind of, Really impressed me. I was I was kind of wondering if someone would have a, would have an oscillated turkey hunt. If you don't know what an oscillated turkey hunt is, it's like the you know. So if you got somebody who's really into um, you know wild sheep, you have to go get the you know you want to try at least in your lifetime. Probably what it would take to get the stone sheep, the dowel sheep, the rocky mountain pinhead, the desert bighorn. But if you got, I mean, that takes big bucks. But if you got huge, huge bucks, you go overseas, you shoot a Marco Polo sheep or a Uriel um, or an Ar- Argali, one of these things from, you know, Tajikistan or Mongolia, these places like this. It's kind of what the, it's kind of what the oscillated turkey is. It's like a crazy painted-up-looking turkey with, like, spikes on it from Mexico. You know, live down the jungle part of Mexico and just really beautiful. It's some outfitters there. And the ghoul turkey. The ghoul person lives in the mountainous areas of Mexico, comes into New Mexico, Arizona. But I had someone tell me that they were right on the Texas, New Mexico border, Texas, Mexico, New Mexico border, and right in that little corner and saw ghoul turkey. So it's possible. I mean, you just never know what's out in these reaches. But it's cool to see people offering different hunts and things for these kind of animals here at the National Wild Turkey Federation show. And really... It's a showcase for that the turkey conservation ethic, and you know in Texas, like I said, we have this miraculous population of Rio Grande. We have the, the comeback of the of the, the eastern bird, which is a very hard to hunt, a wary bird. And we have a little small pocket of myriads in the, in the Panhandle and over in the in the Trans Pecos and some of the mountain ranges and things over there. And this the, the biodiversity is incredible. The National Wild Turkey Federation has been doing has been able to help. You have to buy special enclosures to transport these animals. They've been campaigns of transport of the animals, working on habitat. Because one of the things, the original, the way God made it habitat in East Texas is a lot of what are called savannas. And you can see some of this in some of our national forests up around, uh, if you're going up toward uh, Zavala, around San Rigo Reservoir, where you have scattered big pines and open, kind of open, grassy forests under that. And they've been recreating some of this with some controlled burns restoring native grasses and habitats and the longleaf pine forest with longleaf pines and this is the kind of pine that was here and all these things are making a difference and getting back to that level of biodiversity and really that's why I see the turkey hunters and the National Wild Turkey Federation people wanting is biodiversity go on their website it talks about gopher tortoises responding well and indigo snakes responding well to increase turkey habitat if we fix turkey habitat in Texas you know, we'll never get where we were, but let's say we brought it back to a third of what it was, 
Um, you probably see increases in the highly, in, in, you know, the highly endangered Louisiana pine, which is a, a resident of East Texas. Um, so there's lots of things that go with something like a marquee species. Because let's face it, there's not going to be a lot of people that got money to save the Louisiana pine snake. Because people hunt turkeys, and they have a passion for it, and passion for their conservation, they turn on the wildlife habitat because of their love of turkey hunting, then they'll spend money. And that's where people don't get it. A lot of people, look, there's things about certain kinds of money. I'm mm-hmm. straight up, things I wouldn't do. Not my thing. But if hunting results in the net growth of a species of protection of habitat, even if I don't like them hunting the species, I'm for it because it makes a difference. I'm all about, I'm not about animal rights. I'm about right habitat, conservation, use of the resource. And that's the beautiful thing about habitat. Turkey hunting, waterfowl hunting, these kind of things. I've actually, you can analyze, seen, I've got boots on the ground experience of habitat. So, for example, it's a habitat that I've got some limited concerns in North Dakota. I have been, literally, stood on a piece of ground where Ducks Unlimited had purchased that property because of all the, the scattered ponds and, and things where it's prime grassland because gra- most ducks have to have grassland and small ponds, seasonal wetlands to survive the nest. And you see thriving wetlands and ducks. And then the, the, literally I've looked on the, I've stood on both sides of the line. On the other side of the line is, is just whack. It's all for corn because of the ethanol, the subsidized ethanol market. Uh, this supposed green thing to save the environment that wipes out native grasslands. It's one of the most endangered habitats in the, in the country, by the way, as a native grassland. And almost nothing. No, no butterflies on the Because since your interest, that's what happens. And it's lots of poultry. Plus, I like to eat duck gumbo. I like to eat turkey. Um, and, um, but anyway, it's a, it's, it's a dynamic that a lot of people might not get. But if you realize, hey, Hundred dollars pay for conservation of land. No one else is doing that, and you can maybe have a little bit more appreciation for that kind of thing. But for me, it's always about the resource first, and it, it's about that opportunity. I know when I'm taking my first turkey, I, took, I mean, I didn't kill. I didn't kill a wild turkey until 2003. So I killed my first wild turkey. Actually, um, I didn't grow up turkey hunting. Grew up deer hunting. I got into hawk hunting. I got into waterfowl hunting. And I took that first bird. It was I, I got spoiled. I saw a 26 pound Rio with a nine nine and a half inch beard down in Brackettville. And the idea when you're calling that bird and you, and, and you, and you heard a bird off coming in and the excitement of that bird coming in during the breeding season in spring is an amazing thing. But um, to see a wild turkey, if you look at a turkey, let's just let's just be honest about turkey. It's not like looking at an eagle, you know. Like Ben Franklin, you know, our great founding father. Okay. He wanted to name, to have the American symbol be a wild turkey because he thought that the eagle, the bald eagle, was beneath America because eagles are scavengers. Not fully scavengers, but they scavenge. And a turkey is a wary regal hunt bird, and it's all this. And I'm like, you know, that's cool, but nobody's going to be afraid of, like, the goblin turkeys coming after them. But maybe they're screaming eagles, you know, and I can see that. But I don't think anyone looks at a turkey just outright and goes, you know, that's the most attractive bird in the world. Um, but if you look at them for what they are, you realize there is a beauty there, and there is uniqueness there, and there is a true wildness there. Turkey habitat is good habitat for everything else that lives in that world. So when turkeys are like a signal species, like when they are thriving, 
other things are thriving, and, that, and that's a huge, huge deal. So, excited when I get a chance to talk about some of that because it's not often that you get to come to a convention like this and, and meet with the top experts and things like that. I'm going to a banquet tonight to meet with some of the top experts in the world Turkey conservation. I'm meeting a biologist in Michigan. Now, this is really cool. The Grand Slam is taking an Eastern Amerians, uh, Rio Grande and Osceola. This guy has had a Grand Slam. He, it, it was releasing all of those birds into new areas. That is cool. That is conservation. And when we come back on more outdoors, we're going to talk more about turkey conservation, wildlife conservation in Texas and beyond. Now, back to more outdoors with Chester Moore on News Talk 560 KLVI. Hello, everybody. I am on fire tonight as my friend Ted Nugent would say by the spirit of the wild action, by the spirit of the living God, the Christ Jesus who is a creator of all these amazing, amazing, amazing animals. And it's just a, uh, being able to communicate to you about wildlife because all of you can't spend as much time as I've been blessed to do and humbled to do in the wild for me to be able to communicate and be a voice for the wildlife it's just a really an amazing thing you know growing up when I was, I was equal parts Captain Clint and equal parts Jack Cusco and when Captain Clint was the guy when he kept the shark from dog and Jack Cusco went down and you know I was the guy who was equally inspired by Fred Bear, the great archer, as I was Marlon Perkins and Jim Fowler of Wild Kingdom. And, uh, and what grew out of that, grew out of having a dad, uh, my, my, my late father, my great father, Chester Moore Senior, who passed away on a, his last hunting trip uh, four and a half, four over four years ago now, was uh, being taught to only take what I can eat and utilize and to respect wildlife and to pass on so many other animals and, um, and to... You know, and, and then out of that grew this love of wildlife and wildlife habitat. And I can't really think about my life without wildlife and wildlife habitat. It would not be the same. I would not be Chester Moore without all of these things. It's part of who God made me to be. It's in my DNA code. It's like, like my love of children and working with children and being able to, to work with children in wildlife, the Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center, other things we do in Wild Wishes program. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And, to be in an event like this, you told me when I was five years old and when I was 45, I would be at the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention calling in, celebrating my 20th year on these top five CPK. I'll be out of set out. You'd be crazy, but dreams do come true. You trust in the Lord and you work hard. You show up early, you leave late, and you put the right things first in the wildlife world. Putting wildlife and wildlife habitat is something like that. On the floor today, I was talking to my buddy Charlie over at Flambeau, and it's seeing these incredible innovations they're doing for waterfowl. They have these decoys that swim like I've never seen anything swim before. They're really realistic duck decoys. They're mallards that I saw today, and they swim like crazy. And now I'm looking at some of the different turkey decoys and, and all the people, all these innovations to get them as an excuse to get into the field. Because that's what you do with these things. You go out in the field with these things, and you enjoy yourself. It's a recreation, it's a sport, a healthy thing to be out in the field. So whether you fish, whether you hunt, whether you bird watch, whether you hike, whether you're just a wildlife photographer, I've been all of the above, and I am all of the above. It's always going to be, it needs to be about the resource. And because if we have abundant wildlife, we have healthy waters, we have healthy skies with clean air, then we have a good good quality of life. And the quality of life has always increased. It's amazing to me 
when I see people who have just seen something for the first time, maybe they saw a wild turkey for the first time, but like, oh, my Dodchester, I saw a wild turkey and it's running around and it's calm and they're so excited. That's because that's what those kind of encounters are supposed to be. They're supposed to inspire us and make our lives better when we see an eagle. I got to see an eagle that hit it. It's really big, and it was an ambassador animal today, and see this eagle, and it was the most happy away from it. It was incredible to see that, to have those kinds of encounters and go out in the wild and see the increasing numbers of bald eagles. Our main listenership area, Southeast Texas, I a bald eagle. Last year, about this time, flying over the Nature's River Bridge, as I'm coming into Beaumont, I saw one flying over my car two months ago, literally 20 yards of the car, right in Anahuac. I saw one in Orange County about six months ago, 1442, flying over the car. And I seen one Sam Raver in the bend. And to have this comeback of these kind of animals, it increases our quality of life. And that's so important to have that increase in that wonderful quality of life and to realize that the planet is better when we have more wildlife because that means healthy out there for all of us. And who would want to think that we had a symbol of our country like the bald eagle that we would let it slip into extinction because of pollution and poaching and things like that? It's not going to happen. And we all need to be vanguards of that and protect and turn in poachers and, and really make sure we do all of our parts to do something healthy for wildlife habitat. And that's what this event has done for me. It's energized me into an even different way of wanting to talk about wildlife and wildlife contributions. And I do you listen to the show Trust you always want to talk about this stuff. Yes, I do. <laughs> You're dang right I do. Love it. And I'm ate up with it because it, it, it inspires me so much. You know, you think about those moments, and I'm walking the show floor today, and, you know, I talked about the awesome, the, the super rare white smoke-colored Osceola turkey that I saw, and I'm talking to some people who um, are turkey guys. They're talking about these incredible birds that they're seeing up in Nebraska, and they're talking about the diversity of birds that are up there. And someone, you know, there's just a whole world full of just incredible wildlife experiences. And there's so many things that people could um, do and enjoy. You know, there's so many things that people could go into the field with a heart for and to pursue and to have an absolutely incredible time. And, you know, it's really amazing to me to be able to have these opportunities to see wildlife and to have these opportunities to, to uh, encounter things in a, in a time when, you know, people were writing it off. You know, they were saying 25, 30 years ago, you know, stuff's going to be gone. We still have it. we got problems, but we still have it. We still have these opportunities to do these things. So that's very, very exciting, you know. And um, this show has been amazing. It's going to be more amazing. You'll see some things I'm writing about it, things with the little turkey season coming up. I'm really excited about that. And glad to be able to, at the 20-year mark, be more inspired and have the best guests, the best of calling in from the coolest locations, giving you insight no one else has been able to give you. And that's what we continue to do week after week, year after year. More outdoors on these top 560K. It's a great pleasure of mine to have this opportunity it's a lot of fun, and um, you know uh, we're gonna kind of wind down when I'm talking about turkey for the show, and we're shift gears a little bit here toward the end, and getting a lot of feedback and questions about some things that people are seeing in the Sabine Lake area. You know, the advent of social media. You know, we've had it for a long time now, but the fact that it's so rampant, there's so many versions of it now, 
and is allowing people and the cell phone technology to see things in real time. And there have been a number of tarpon seen and caught in Sabine Lake since late fall. Not big ones. Like I've seen, I think, evidence of three or four tarpon, uh, smallish tarpon caught in the Sabine Lake system. And I've uh, been getting questions a lot about tarpon. If it was snook, we had the guy call in a while back to talk about snook. He sent me the picture. And uh, it was absolutely incredible. It was a big snook caught last year in the Nature's River. And people saying, what's going on in our ecosystem? What's happening out there? Why are we having this new? Well, I've got to answer this because I've been getting questions on it this week. It, the snook thing's new for me. I'm, I've, I've never heard of that. I've, 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 I've heard rumors of the snook. I've never seen evidence. It's the first one. It's the big one. And it was the Natchez River. But the tarpon thing, I saw tarpon with my own eyes in 1996 in Older Vercove. Me and my cousin Frank Moore fishing the OCA with my dad's 16-foot flat-bottom grooming boat. We came across Older Vercove that afternoon. The tournament starts at 5. It's about 6 o'clock in the evening. It was still super hot because it was August. It was dead flat, and there was a school of mullet. In Older Vercove being terrorized by something. And we pull up, we get probably 50 yards from it, and about a four-foot tarpon bust through the water, makes a couple of jumps, and I'm like, oh my God. So he threw everything we possibly had over that area, and of course, never saw tarpon again, never got anything again. Uh, Luis Gonzalez, is, I guess 16, 17 years ago, caught a big tarpon in the boat cut. But I got out of the boat cut on the Louisiana South Spring Jetties. My dad and I hooked a tarpon two miles west of the Sabine Jetties, probably in 2003, and um, didn't get it in. Just had to jump once or twice, and that was it. There are tarpon that come into the system, and maybe there are more tarpon coming in than there have been in a while. Don't know what's going on, but it's not unheard of. As a matter of fact, if you look at historical books, there are actually uh, tarpon tournaments used to take, part, take place in Sabine Lake back in about the 1930s, maybe up into the 50s. So tarpon, I don't know, but there are some here. It would be incredible to see. The snook thing is worth fascinating. I've never heard of that snook coming into the area. That is mind-blowing to me. If you have a photo or video of a tarpon or a snook in Sabine Lake, Lake Calcasieu, or the surrounding waters, please send it to me at chester at chestermoor.com. Chester at chestermoor.com. I would love to see the photo. I would love to have um, access to that, share with people. So that stuff's a lot of fun, and uh, it, love, it makes people appreciate what we have out there more. So... I want to thank all of you for listening. I'm Nate, be on the air. And we've been to the National Wildlife Federation Convention for this part of this program. Go back and listen to the podcast at klvi.com. Click on the podcast link. Go back to the shows. Be back next week with some awesome stuff. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.